I hope you guys were staying warm these last few days. How many of y'all had PTSD from last year's winter storm? For real. Like, it is real. And then we get the water boil notice uh, last night. I pray to God that you brush your teeth this morning. But if you didn't, no worries. No perfect people allowed. Just know if you come up for prayer, just come up like this, okay? All right, we love you, but we ain't trying to smell all that. But it's all good. You know, it reminded me, though, these last couple of days, because our, our kids uh, were home from school, which, by the way, like, if you come from anywhere else other than Texas, like, this makes you a little bit triggered, right? I come from, uh, from, from the D.C. area, and so the north, Northeast, we're used to snow. How many of y'all come from, like, the north or places where it snows, and you're like, this is, why are we skipping school? Like, I would be sent home walking, right, <laughs> right now. And, and so this was, wasn't a big deal, but here in Austin, we shut down schools, and so our kids were home last couple of days. And so it made things interesting because they couldn't leave. Because if you walked outside of your door, you were going to slip and break your back. All right. You're going to need Thomas J. Henry just for that, you know, appointment that you're going to have. So we didn't, uh, we weren't going outside. Everybody was staying indoors and it was loud and it was crazy. And it reminded me of the early days of the pandemic. You guys remember that like 10 years ago when this whole thing started and like, remember the dumb stuff we were saying too, by the way, it was like, oh, we're just going to have to stay locked down for like three weeks. <laughs> Where? When? <laughs> This has been the longest three weeks of my life, right? And we were like, and ev- at the beginning, everybody was ev- all cool. It was like, oh, this is going to be so great. We're going to time for relax, time to be a family. And then like a month in, you're like, we need this to stop, right? But we were doing all types of things to pass the time with puzzles and Tiger King, right? And sourdough bread, why that became a thing, I don't know. Like all this stuff to pass the time. And in the midst of that, though, then there were some people that still had to go to work, right? Many of you all in the room. Uh, first responders, right? Our paramedics, our bus drivers, our doctors, our nurses, our grocery store workers, the people who package and bring our uh, deliveries to our homes, right? And and one of the most uh, amazing examples of just the beauty of humanity that we've seen, I know we've seen a lot of the ugly in the last couple of years, but one of the beautiful things that we've seen was people making packages for those first responders and for those people who were going to work faithfully, who were dropping off all of your Amazon toilet paper because you couldn't find two plies. So it was just a one ply, the real cheap stuff that you got to, you know what I mean? The, the people who were bringing it to your front doors and people were creating boxes for them of Gatorade and soda and water and granola bars and snacks. And there'd be signs on them that said, take as much as you need. It was a beautiful part of humanity. And I love that. Tradition is still going on. Like the last two Christmases, you've maybe seen neighbors. Maybe some of you have done that. You've left boxes for those who work for Amazon and DHL and UPS and FedEx and all those things and USPS for them to just be blessed in that moment and get something back for all their hard work. And you would see that people would take a Gatorade or granola bar and leave some for the people come behind. Like nobody was taking that box and dumping it into their car, right? Like no, hopefully nobody was doing that. And people were leaving enough for the people coming behind them. And I say that because that analogy really is kind of our compass for this series. It helps us catch a glimpse of how God provides for us. The main difference though, being that what God offers us never runs out. He says, you can take as much as you need. And the supply never runs out. And it's for every single one of us. There's an abundance for all with no fear that if we need more, those behind us won't have enough. No, no, you have everything you need and you have access to God. So we've been uh, letting Ephesians 1 really guide this series. And I want us to take us back. We've read this verse a few times over this series. 
But Paul, who, who writes Ephesians, this letter is to a church in the first century, this church in a city called Ephesus. And this is what he writes. And listen, this is for you. If you follow Jesus, this is what you have access to. If you are interested in following Jesus, this is what you have available to you. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.3, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. In verse 8, he says, he has, showered us, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. In verse 11, he goes on and says, because we are united with Christ, we're one with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Do you hear that? Do you hear the promises of God for you, for all of us? But here's the dilemma. We have, it says that we have access to this inheritance, but if we're real with ourselves, if we're honest, most days, and we care to admit, we walk around like we're spiritually bankrupt. When in reality, these verses teach us that we actually have hit the spiritual lottery. That you have access to more peace, more joy, more wisdom, more community, more love, more purpose and direction in your life than you could ever imagine. But so many of us, we walk through this life hopeless and in despair allowing the circumstances of life to crush that. But I, I just believe that God wants to remind you today or maybe tell you for the first time that in relationship with him, you have all that you need. There's so much more to relationship with him. And when you invite Jesus to lead your life, his spirit actually lives with you, lives inside of you, guiding you. You have everything that you need. Chuck Swindoll, in his book, Grace Awakening, uses the analogy that many believers are like the couple who go on a cruise ship and brought their own bread, peanut butter, and jelly. Any of y'all like that, by the way? Like, you go to the movies, you pack your own Tupperware? You know what I'm talking about. Don't lie. Like, no, no we're going to buy the candy at the dollar store because it's $4 cheaper than the candy. And that's okay. But here's the difference on a cruise ship. Everything's included, right? And it says the couple, they're, they're packing and they're eating peanut butter and jellies every single day because they think the buffet costs extra. And it's a perfect analogy for our faith walk. Like we're sitting here struggling on, on the bare minimum sometimes. And God says, hey, don't you know I've, I've got this filet mignon? You don't have to do the hamburger helper thing. Like I've got all of this for you. I had a friend who was speaking at a last church that I served at. And he was a, him and his wife were uh, foster care parents. And he actually used this example. And he said, uh, from the foster kids that they had come in and out of their home, Sometimes with some of the kids, what would happen is the kids in the middle of the night, they would go to the pantry, they would go to the refrigerator, and they would sneak food out of the pantry, out of the refrigerator, and put it in the dresser, put it under the bed, find it, you know, and next day, they, there was like no Captain Crunch left. Where they're like, we just had a full box, where did it go? And here's what I learned, here's what he taught us in that, is that kids who have been raised food deprived will sneak food under the bed or in dressers. And sometimes the natural reaction of parents is to scold them, to put a lock on the pantry, put a lock on the fridge. If you got teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it only further exacerbates the behavior. It just gets worse because it's like, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal from. See, kids who have grown up food deprived have no reason to believe that food will be readily available. And, and my friend was mentioning this to us, and he said he had to sit some of these kids down and says, hey, as long as you live in this house, everything that is mine is yours. 
You don't have to sneak. You don't have to hide. You have access to all of it. You can freely access it. And as simple as that sounds and that illustration sounds, the truth is many of us, whether we realize it or not, have grown up spiritually malnourished. And it's why we think we have to squeeze onto the things that we have in our life. I've got to have a death grip on my relationship. I have to make sure that I'm in control of my finances and nobody else can touch it. What if I lose this thing? When God says, hold on, no. Everything I have is yours. You don't have to hide. You don't have to cling. You don't have to put it away under the proverbial dresser. It's freely accessible to you. And to those you love, see, we need to start enjoying the buffets and stop living on spiritual peanut butter and jelly. Realize you're not a spiritual orphan, but you're a daughter. You're a son in the royal family of the creator of the universe. That means your life has value. Everything that is his is yours. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, love, purpose, mercy. Yeah, well, Ricky, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. There's a few truths that I want us to write down today. If you have your phone, you can take it out, open your notes app. Some of you are like, I'm not doing that just because you said it. Relax. This is for all of us. But I just believe these four truths today really can serve as daily affirmations. You're going you're gonna to see a few you have statements. And instead of saying you have, I want you to make it personal and just write, I have. I have. And these can be daily affirmations. And maybe for some of us who struggle with identity, who struggle with self-worth, you can just repeat these things as you look in the mirror every single day because this is what God says about you. So let's walk through some of these truths. Number one, you have been created on purpose with a purpose. Write it in your notes app. I have been created on purpose with a purpose. Listen, the creator of the cosmos created you that you might have a relationship with him and discover the plans that he has for you. That means you're not, in, you're not just a random collection of matter and molecules living and dying and nothing else. That means your life has value. It has purpose. If you're living and breathing today, your life has value and purpose. The creator of the universe said so. I don't care what anybody else has said about you. This is what Acts 17 says. God began by making one person. And from him came all the different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they must live. God wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around and find him, though he's not far away from any of us. By his power, we live and move and exist. Think about that for a moment. Notice the intentionality behind that statement. It's not a God who set the universe into motion and backed away and said, figure it out. A God who put you at the right time and place in history that you would know that he loves you and has a plan for you and a purpose for you. The scriptures describe how God knit you together in your mother's womb and that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. It took intention and care. Just as the scriptures describe God's intention for the prophet Jeremiah, I believe this is what he has for you. And this is what it says in Jeremiah, but this is what he says to you. This is God speaking in Jeremiah 1.5. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. It's a God that sees you, that knows you. 
See, to discover your God-given purpose, as we talk about purpose this morning, it starts with a relationship with God. Listen, I love that we live in an age of like self-discovery and self-awareness. And we live in an age where like we have access to so many tools to discover more of who we are and therapy and community. And there's so much goodness in that, right? We have Myers-Briggs and all these different exams and what color are you? And like, what access do you have to all these different materials that can tell you more about who you are? I love that. And I'm not dragging it down, but I do want you to know this, that until you discover the God who created you, you won't truly know the depths of who you are and the things that he has planned for you, and the purpose that's inside of you. You won't know the person you were created to be until you know the creator. It's in relationship with him and knowing who he is. And in community like this one where we can replace our ways that lead us astray and replace that with his wisdom and his guidance. You've been created on purpose with a purpose. Number two, you have been chosen by God. You can write it in your notes app. I have been chosen by God. I have been chosen by God. This is what Ephesians 1 says. Before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. He chose you. I don't know about you, but I grew up with Pokemon in the 90s. And that statement just like gets me excited. You remember like, I don't know if you grew up with Pokemon. I was having this conversation with friends out dinner the other day, and some of them grew up like ultra conservative Christianity. They weren't allowed to read Harry Potter, watch Pokemon cards because it was of the devil for some reason, right? Like, I don't know. But anyways, remember that moment where he's like, I choose you, and like a Pokemon would pop out? How special did that Pokemon feel? Some of you are like, what, what on earth is happening? I don't know where this is going. I'm not saying you're God's Pokemon. Relax. But God chose you. He chooses you. And he'll always choose you. Have you ever felt left out? No, just me. Okay. Remember that moment in elementary school? Back when you could play dodgeball because it's not allowed anymore. And like people were picking teams. Were you ever that person that was picked last? Or the person who wasn't invited to the flag football game or whatever? Actually, it was tackle football. Let's be real. I'm convinced, by the way, that's how participation trophies happened and participation ribbons, it was the people who got left out. They were like, we're going to make this right for everybody. Everybody's going to win, and we're not keeping score. But we've all been to that moment in life where we felt left out or feel like chosen. We weren't chosen. But you know what's worse than that? That as a kid, when that happens to you as an adult, and rather than being picked last, you aren't picked at all, and life just feels like an endless season of The Bachelorette. Awful. He didn't pick me. Yeah. He didn't pick 30 other people either. <laughs> right? We've all had that feeling of not being chosen. I remember one that happened to me. Uh, I think I was a sophomore, junior in high school. You remember the first time you got your heart broke? And uh, I was talking to this girl. Uh, and um, and uh, this was back when there wasn't unlimited texting. You know what I'm saying? And the Motorola Razor was the hottest phone out. You know what I'm talking about. And like your parents had to pay just for 200 text messages a month. Like we burned through that a day now. You know what I mean? And you had to use those wisely. So I was using those wisely. We were talking on the phone. It was all butterflies, all of that, right? It was great throughout the summer. And then like we get to school and I'm thinking everything is fine. And then it comes to that moment. It's time to ask her out to homecoming. And like back when you actually had to talk to people in face, um, some of my teenagers are in here, like not Snapchat, not sliding in DMs. Like you had to get rejected in public. You You know what I'm talking about? 
And so I asked her to homecoming and she was like, oh, and the whole world sank. She's like, actually, um, somebody already asked me. And I was like, what? But I couldn't show it. You got to just swallow that, take it home. I went home, put on the most like de depressing music on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Just started staring at the wall. It was something like this. contemplating life, looking at the same spot on the wall, just, you're just looking at your flip phone, hoping that they change their mind, my mom told me I was handsome, what happened, <laughs> right, like, and we've all been that moment where you got your heart broken and you weren't chosen, right, and it sucks, like, especially when it's like unrequited love. And when you're a teenager, it feels awful. Like the whole world is just going to collapse on you. You're like, Thanos, please just snap me out of this. <laughs> We've all been through moments like that in life where we haven't been chosen. Where you feel like you aren't good enough, pretty enough, athletic enough, qualified enough. Like you've done too many thing, things wrong. And sometimes because of life's rejections, we take that same environment, we take that same atmosphere into our relationship with God, and we think, well, God, you don't know what I've done. How could you choose me? Or life has dealt us a hand where we feel like, man, he's abandoned me, but I'm here to tell you, no, 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 he's chosen you. That the God of the universe chooses you, has chosen you. And sometimes we hear that word chosen or elected or predestined in the Bible. And we think God chose some people and rejected everybody else. But it couldn't be further from the truth. That's actually not what scripture says. It says all get to choose. And all who say yes are now part of the family of God. In fact, Romans 10 says this. Everyone. Somebody say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, God calls everyone. And all who say yes are predestined to become more like Jesus. God calls Everyone. The problem is some of us look at it and screen that call like it's scam likely. But look at Ephesians 1 one more time. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God was happy when he chose you. He was through the roof elated when he chose you. See, God not only adopts you, he loves you as his own precious child, but he makes you holy and without fault. What does that mean? Does that mean I'll never do anything wrong when I say yes to Jesus? No, it just means that those things don't have the final word over my life anymore. It means that because of me saying yes to what Jesus did on the cross, a Jesus who took our sins and who paid the penalty of our sins, that now my sin is washed away. And when God sees me, he no longer sees my failure, my sin, my brokenness. He now sees his son, Jesus. He now sees me the same way that he sees Jesus, blameless and without fault. Come on, y'all. That's worth clapping today that a God of the universe looks at you that way. In this world where we quickly cancel each other out for the worst things that we have done in our lives, God says, no, 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 that's, that's not what defines you. You're my child, he says. 
And because you're his child, there's an inheritance that comes with that. There's a birthright that comes with that. You have access to more of who he is. You have access to purpose in your life. And God says, take as much as you need. You were created on purpose with a purpose. You were chosen. Number three, you were called. You have been called by God. Write it in your notes app. I have been called by God. Well, Ricky, what's the difference between chosen and called? Listen, you were chosen. You got put on the team. He chose you to be on the team. And he called your number to get in the starting lineup. The problem is so many of us are comfortable riding the bench, sitting on the sidelines. We serve God that says, no, 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 I called you not to sit on the bench of life, to get in the game of life, to start living on purpose. It doesn't matter what your job is. He has called you to move and shake things in this world, to love people, to love him, to show people that there is a God who created them on purpose and they have access to him. You have been called by God. Ephesians 2, 8, 10 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Circle that, highlight it, underline it, tattoo it on the back of your hand. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good, the good things that he planned for us long ago. You are his masterpiece. And he has nothing but good things in store for you. God can take our uniqueness, our brokenness, and make us new. We're not stuck the way we are right now. Whether you're not sure about God or whether you've been following him your whole life, understand there's always room left to grow. There's always more when there's a relationship with Jesus. There is always more. It's not some Super Mario level that you beat and got to start all over again. There is always more of who God is. And he says, you have access to it right now. You want some purpose in your life? You have access to it right now. God has good things planned for you. And if you're wondering, well, Ricky, what's my purpose? Is that the job that I'm doing? No, no, no. That's, that's your vocation. But your purpose in life is this. Every follower of Jesus, if you have said yes to following Jesus, can find your purpose in loving God and loving others. It's that simple. It's loving God and loving others. And there's a billion ways to go about it, but it's loving God and loving others. Our purpose is to allow God to transform us and bring transformation to others. Our purpose is to allow God to work in us and through us. Our purpose is to bring more of heaven to earth. Our purpose is to love God and love others. It's why we have amazing people here that work so many different jobs, but decide to love and serve refugees. It's why we have people who do so many different things, but love and serve our kids and our teenagers and will greet you on your way in. It's because we have found, there's some of us who have found in following Jesus that there's so much more to life than living self-centered and selfishly, but we can actually put other people first because we, set, we, we serve a God who put us first and gave it all for us. Here's what's remarkable as we step into the love of God. Loving others is just a byproduct of that. And the more specific purposes for our life become clearer and clearer as we follow him. I know for my life, I was just like every other teenager wondering what I was going to do. And when I was in the uh, 10th grade, going into the 11th grade, probably the same time I got my heart broke. <laughs> 
I was at a national youth conference um, with, with my church. We went and it was in Indianapolis. And man, we were just praying, praying for our family, our friends, our cities. And I remember specifically feeling just the spirit of God just call me in that moment and called me into ministry. And it, I wasn't like, yes, God, send me. I was like, ah, uh, no, thanks. And if you know the story of Jonah in the Bible, Jonah, when he gets a call from God, he runs in the opposite direction. And that was me. I ran away as far as I could. I went in the opposite direction, partying heavy, drinking, doing whatever was handed to me. And my relationship with God over the next four to five years after that, it morphed into, man, God, I love you. You're a father. And it became more and more strange the more distant I became. It was no longer Heavenly Father in my eyes, but my relationship turned uh, with God turned differently. Some of y'all have been there. Some of you might be there now. I would go to bed every night if I was sober enough to remember, and I'd be like, God, forgive me for everything that I've done so I don't wake up and go to hell, <laughs> right? I had this skewed view of who God was. That wasn't who he was at all. And I kept running uh, until I couldn't run anymore. You been there? started suffering from panic attacks and nobody was talking about mental health in 2009, right? The way that we talk about it today. And in my search for mental peace, I remember visiting a church, a church that my friends were uh, going to at the time. And uh, this is Pentecostal church. So it was different. Like there's a moment in Pentecostal churches where you can respond to a message and come to the front. We call it like the altar, right? This weird spiritual word. And there was a moment when I came down I don't remember what was sung, but I just remember crying my eyes out. They're handing me more tissues in March, 2020. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all didn't get that. You'll get it later. And I'm like crying my eyes out. And I remember just giving my heart to Christ and just feeling this spiritual burden just lifted off of me. And at the time, the pastor there, he takes a microphone. None of us here at Gateway would ever do this. Different church, a different time. And he speaks a prophetic word. And I know that that word prophetic gets a little weird for some of us. Like we think Nostradamus kind of thing, but prophetic is just speaking what God says is true about your life, all right? You ever felt an impression of like, man, I need to go sit with that person. Many times that's the Holy Spirit guiding us to share a prophetic word or something with that person. So this pastor takes a microphone and he says this, and he doesn't know me from Adam, y'all. He has no idea who I am. And he says, I know we don't know each other. On the microphone for everybody here. And he says, but I just sense that God says you've been running for a long time and today he's calling you back home. And if that's all that he had said, I would have, that would have been enough. But he says, he continued and he said this, and the plans and the calling that he's put on your life hasn't changed just because of where you've been and what you've done. And it helped me start my journey all over again. And for some of you, I think you just need to hear that. There's a God that chooses you that created you on purpose for a purpose. And the call that he's placed on your life hasn't changed just because of where you've been or what you've done. That he calls you to. As you lean into your relationship with God and your relationship with your church family, you will become and know to become more like Jesus, grow to become more like Jesus. You will start living sacrificially, more joyful, more loving, more at peace, more hopeful loving God and loving people. And I know life gets in the way, but we do what Dory said in Finding Nemo. We keep swimming. We keep knowing, keep living and keep searching and keep understanding that there's a God who calls us, who chooses us. Faithfulness means doing the right thing, no matter how small it is. Too often we give up too soon. We give up right before the breakthrough. 
Rosabeth uh, Moss Cantor, Harvard business professor, said this, everything looks like failure in the middle. God chooses you. It's not an accident. It wasn't a roll of the dice. He chose you on purpose. Lastly, you've been gifted and empowered by God. If our band can make their way to the stage, you have been gifted and empowered by God. Hear me, if for those of you struggling with, well, I'm just not good at anything. No, 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 that's not what scripture says. Scripture says you have been gifted and empowered by God. That means you're, there's a unique value on your life. There's a purpose on your life that no one else on this planet could do, could fulfill. You are gifted and empowered by God. Your unique background, your family of origin, your life experiences, your strengths, your personality, and so much more that you bring to the world. See, the world needs you to become the person that God created you to be. See, something miraculous happens when we say yes to God. Like we said earlier, his spirit comes and lives inside of us. Not like in a weird way, like exorcism, your eyes roll in the back of your head. Not not like that. (laughs) It's his presence that lives inside of you, that guides you, that speaks to you, that challenges you, that encourages you, that convicts you when you know you're doing things that are off kilter. Not only that, but he gives you supernatural gifts. It says in his, in his word, in, in the Bible, it says that he gives you supernatural gifts. When you say yes to Jesus, you have access to these things. And so many people here in our community can tell you when they've been following Jesus, there's this ability, this supernatural ability that you get. Romans 12 puts it this way. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, we talked about that word er earlier, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. So many people that I could talk about in this community, people who are gifted to pray for people, and see healing, people who can express a word from God to those who haven't heard, people who can discern what others might miss, people who can extend mercy, people who are gifted in administration and logistics and use that to serve others. There is a purpose on your life. God has gifted you. He has empowered you. So don't live life on the sidelines, on the bench, with your head hunkered down. Understand that the same God who created you, chose you, knows you, lifts your head up and says, baby girl, baby boy, I chose you. This wasn't an accident. I made you on purpose. I created you. You still have breath. You still have purpose. You still have life. You still have something to offer this world. So if you're here today and you're struggling with where you fit in the grand scheme of things, understand that the creator of the cosmos called your name. He called your number. He said, I choose you. I love you. I gifted you. Get in the game. There's purpose that you have access to. Would you stand with us this morning? Hopefully you wrote those statements down. And maybe for some of us, it can serve as daily affirmations. I've been created on purpose with a purpose. I've been chosen by God. I've been called by God. I've been gifted and empowered by God. And to borrow a sports terminology, there's so many different giftings and abilities we talked about, but the greatest ability is availability. You don't have to muster it up. You don't have to be strong. You just simply have to say, God, whatever 
you want to do in my life, I'm available. God, if there's anything you want to remove, take it. If there's anything you want to add that I need in my life, I'm open. Maybe for some of us, it's just saying yes to Jesus for the first time. Maybe for some of us who have been on the sidelines, it's a God who's challenging you to get in the game, to love God, to love others. So this next song that we're gonna sing, would your prayer, would our prayer just be, God, whatever you wanna do in my heart and in my life, would you do it? I'm here, I'm open, I'm available. God, do whatever you wanna do so that your purpose can be fulfilled through me. Would you worship with us?